Hi, everyone. Welcome to the TBI Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jen Blanchett, where we explore the heart of brain injury. Rest. Take a deeper breath. Let it go. These are words that I say hundreds of times per week while sitting with the traumatic or stressful memories of my clients. The modality or type of therapy that I use most often to assist my clients is eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, or for short, EMDR. So the goal of EMDR or any trauma therapy is completing the stress cycle and realizing that the traumatic or stressful event they experienced is over. In the pandemic, many of us, including myself, were in a constant flight state of flight, fight, or freeze. The later nervous system state freeze became so dominant that we gave it a new name, languishing. I think that in the pandemic, I got to experience many of the things that my clients, you frequently mentioned to me, because you guys, my listeners, have reached out to you, have experienced long states of being in fight or flight or feeling that anxiety in your body, feeling isolated from others because of your brain injury symptoms, or the freeze state. So frequently, my wonderful survivors, individuals would say to me, I just froze. I couldn't really do anything. I heard all these people talking to me and I really didn't know what to say, what to do. And that nervous system state is the freeze response. So if we see an animal, so let's take like an iguana in Florida, you might've seen when they get to a certain temperature. So if it actually freezes in Florida, they will stop moving. They'll go belly up and they'll conserve their resources until it's warmer. And we also have that response in our bodies. And I think the pandemic really taught me that I have to really navigate life through my nervous system because I think like for many of us, it brought us to the point where we experienced an extreme amount of stress. And for a brain injury survivor like you, I often have talked with them about an extreme or the most stress they've ever experienced in their life. And interestingly enough, for a few of my survivors, they would tell me, actually, it was a little less stressful because there were fewer demands on my time and less expectation to actually be with other people, which was already stressful for them. So... I also experienced crippling anxiety in the pandemic where I started having panic attacks while driving. And that started happening in the spring of 2021. So I myself engaged in EMDR therapy to kind of work through that, to manage that. And it's really taken, it's been a journey over the past year to work through that anxiety with a therapist week after week working on those particular targets. And I think I'm kind of in a victory moment because I just drove to Boston. I live in Maine in the US and I just drove to Boston with minimal anxiety with driving. And so, oh, 
it was a lot of work, but I, I feel like I'm definitely in a better place and it hasn't been easy. And I think I'm also grateful, even though I did not love experiencing not feeling like a drive on the highway, <laughs> that I have a window into actually what it feels like. And so that I think was very humbling and got to me, had me think at many points in time, which was the kind of start of this podcast of needing to do something else. Uh, it's just for me, I think sitting with the pain of people, I didn't really think through my nervous system and the toll that that took. And I think it was also a window into possibly what my survivors feel. So I hope that's helpful to learn a little bit from me. There's certainly other things I experienced during the pandemic that helped me understand my survivors a little bit more. That included coming down with COVID just a couple months ago where I lost taste and smell completely. And luckily, it was only for a couple of weeks because I talk with many survivors and that is a long-lasting symptom after their concussion or brain injury. So that was just totally weird to feel not unable to taste food. So I can I can empathize now, which I'm grateful for of what that's like because it's really tough. So I want to talk. It's just me, by the way. I didn't say that. It's just me today. And it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I wanted to close out May talking a little bit about the stress cycle and my thoughts on burnout. And I will also end talking about loss and closure and what we do with that, how we manage that, because Memorial Day is also coming up here in the U.S. And that's where we remember our fallen soldiers and I think it's also a time where we think about loss naturally, like for our country in the U.S., but I think there's often touchstones for other cultures when they might think of the loss of loved ones, which makes us think about personal losses. Anytime we think of that, we kind of think of those personal losses. So I thought it was a, a good time to kind of think about all of this. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about burnout after my story. <laughs> So in sisters, Emily and Amelia Nagasaki's book regarding burnout and the stress cycle, they describe emotions that are like tunnels. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Unfortunately, many of us get stuck in an emotion where we are unable to complete the stress cycle and complete the emotional state. This can feel like hypervigilance, languishing, anger, fear. So I'll define hypervigilance. So I often see that after a trauma and your brain injury, yes, that can be a trauma. That often is the trauma for many of my clients. So hypervigilance is like when you're, one of my people actually described it as feeling like you're a cat on a tin roof, like you are always looking and you're aware of your surroundings and hyper aware even. Many people describe this happening in similar situations like their injury. So if that was a car accident, if that was a situation where they fell on the ice and there's ice around, they're going to be really nervous and looking around for threats and danger. For many of my clients and myself during the pandemic, it was hard, if not impossible, to complete the stress cycle. 
And there was no clear delineation of when an emotion started or ended. There were no clear expectations for when the pandemic would be over. And really, we're still thinking about when that total end game is in spring of 22 at the time of this recording. So I find that my job is frequently, frequently encouraging the people I work with to complete the stress cycle. And to that end, typical recommendations for health and improved wellness often include many of the following recommendations. So I'm going to give you some suggestions for completing the stress cycle. So these are from research. They're also kind of, I have curated these for you. These are not exhaustive ways. And I wanted to give you guys, I'm going to attach a handout to this episode from my email course. So I will give that to you guys. And it has a more, I think, buffet of ways to complete the stress cycle. So check out the show notes and you can find that download there and on my website at tbitherapist.com. So suggestions for how to complete the stress cycle. First is movement. So if you've been to a doctor recently, everyone will tell you, exercise is medicine. It's well documented. Seeking movement as a way to complete the stress cycle is key for humans. It's how we were designed. So especially we're finding aerobic exercise is linked to improved cognition, decreases in mental illness, improvements in concussion, recovery outcomes. Interestingly, I found some research that says it may mimic physiologically stressful situations in the brain and aid in overcoming other situations. So the exercise in a way has us do a test run in our body for stressful situations that may come up. So for me, I always have driving as an example because that's where I experience my anxiety. So if I'm driving and I work out a lot, which I do. I'm a fitness instructor. I teach Zumba and I teach another format called Warrior Rhythm, which I love, by the way. Uh, so these, if I have exercised that stressful situation, in a way I've kind of practiced my body to get through that because the exercise brings that natural rise and fall in the nervous system. And it's a way to work through our sympathetic nervous system to kind of test the car before we get in that situation. So I hope that makes sense. I might think of a better example. So crying or engaging in a time of of grief, to feel the emotion, moving through the emotion. In EMDR, we do this by noticing thoughts, images, body sensations, and the emotions that come up for a particular memory. I'll use my example again. So if I, uh, this is a real example. So I had a situation where I was driving the snow here in Maine. We were a pretty snowy state in the in the winter. And I remember just driving the snow at night and feeling intense anxiety. And my hands are gripped on the steering wheel. I'm literally thinking I'm going to die. And I remember seeing the exit to get off the highway, which I did do at that point in time because I was scared. I went through the thoughts, I'm going to die. The images, seeing the snow, the darkness, the icy road, the body sensations, tension in my chest, uh, my heart is racing, 
uh, tension in my neck. And the emotions were fear, they were anxiety, they were dread. And then with the help of a therapist, of course, this is in my own therapy, we followed the channels of association going down the emotional tunnel until there's no distress on the body. So basically, I, you know, I'd come up with, okay, I'm seeing the exit. And then I would say, oh, I felt relieved. So I felt relieved to actually see the exit and get off of the exit. And then I felt my body kind of relax as I got off of the highway. And so there were also other things or quote unquote channels of association where I would go down the emotional tunnel. So my emotions had a beginning, middle and end. One of the things that came out of that particular session for me was that I have choices. I can get off of the highway. I usually don't drive in the snow in here in Maine. So especially if it, if it's dark. So that I kind of normalized for that for myself that most people would have some anxiety after driving. And that was very helpful for me to go through that. And then I had zero distress in the body when I have that memory up now. So that's in a way how it works. So we are one foot there, one foot here. The third tip is social interaction. So social the social interaction is also medicine, potentially even larger implications than exercise. So a meta-analysis of social relationships and mortality risk indicate that we should really think about prescribing more social interaction because people with stronger social relationships had a 50% increased likelihood of survival than those with weaker social relationships. These findings indicate that the influence of social relationships on the risk of death are comparable with well-established risk factors for mortality, such as smoking, alcohol consumption, and exceeded the influence of other risk factors such as physical inactivity and obesity. And that article I've linked here, so it's Holt and Lundstad. So you can see that article if you want to read more. That was a quote from that research article. I want to go back to talking about exercise. So I understand for you, you might be struggling with exercise intolerance. And so telling someone telling you, oh, just exercise when you feel like crap, exercising isn't a great recommendation. Does that mean you shouldn't exercise? No, but we should figure out what is happening in your body. What is going on that's giving you symptoms and thinking through the recent concussion recommendations for sub-symptom exercise as a way to help improve concussion symptoms. And I think most likely for most brain injuries, this is true. It can help decrease that inflammation in the brain and increase blood flow to the brain. So I recommend talking to your doctor about how to work through the exercise intolerance. And if you're not getting the answer that you need, then certainly finding someone who specializes in brain injury or concussion. And generally, the exercise intolerance piece is best managed with a physical therapist, a vestibular PT, someone who works in other vestibular type medicine would be most helpful. So there's a few providers that do that work and I can probably look up some recommendations for that too. All right, so the myth of closure. So I'm gonna transition to talking a little bit about loss. So I'm gonna talk about 
closure and how many people have likely told you you need to move on from your brain injury. You need to figure out a way to find something new. And you're staring at them like they have a third eye. I get that because (laughs) how can you move on from something like this? So I want to talk about the myth of closure. So our brains are simple in many ways. If we knew when we would be through this traumatic experience, it would make a lot more sense. I think you could cope with that a lot better. And you might be able to move on. But for folks who have dealt with symptoms for years, and I just saw someone, a survivor on Instagram say, they'd been dealing with post-concussion symptoms for half of their life. What I've realized is that moving on isn't possible. Grief and loss, like trauma recovery, is not closure. It's really living with the loss. How people have, how do we live with the losses we face in the pandemic, for example, or the losses after brain injury? So some events that I have worked through myself and worked through with others, and some of these are related to the pandemic too. How can we have closure with events like this? The death of a small child. The loss of a romantic relationship. The loss of an opportunity for a memorial service of a loved one due to COVID. No high school graduations or proms. War. George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. The loss of the sense of yourself as your cognition and personality has changed after your brain injury. Will we find closure after these losses? No. So I want to talk a little bit about research from Pauline Boss. So she recently wrote a book on the myth of closure after loss, especially ambiguous loss. So talking about that closure should never be our goal. Instead, she talks about both and thinking. So in Pauline Boss's seminal work on ambiguous loss, she discusses losses that are not socially scripted or typical. Her research inspires us to find resilience versus closure. I've found that the losses that many of the people I've worked with after brain injury are really unclear. They're not understood very well even by the people that are closest to you. In Pauline Boss's recent book titled The Myth of Closure, she talks about how both and thinking can assist us in holding two truths. For example, we can embrace joy in gathering with others again and also feelings of loss experiences in our experiences with the loss of the pandemic. With brain injury, I find that allowing space for two emotions is also helpful. Oftentimes, you can feel angry at your injury and also a sense of gratitude for the insights that you've gained. Those things are both true. I also find that increasing self-compassion is really important. So having self-compassion and also being frustrated with how long this recovery takes. Really, I could talk and give a lot of examples for both and thinking, 
But really, it's the concept of holding on to and living with both truths that your brain injury, your concussion, what you've suffered is tragic and you wouldn't change it. Those are some of the words of one of my survivors that I've talked to because it's become part of who you are. In the words of Mr. Rogers, sometimes you feel two feelings at the same time and that's okay. I encourage you to find room for the gray when our brains and the world wants to tie things up in a tidy bow. It's just not possible. So I hope you've enjoyed my thoughts today on the stress cycle and loss. And let me know if this has been helpful for you or if you want me to talk more about any of this. I talk a lot about loss in my new email course, the stress cycle. I talk about the stress cycle mostly in my new email course. And there's a lot of, I think, really good tips for you. So certainly I will link the email course as well. And if you think you could use the help of someone who can understands these emotional, I offer coaching to people. If you want help navigating these emotions, understanding the stress cycle and incorporating breath work and other tools for your recovery, I do offer coaching at my website. That is tbitherapist.com. I'd love to get on a call with you to see if it's a good fit for you. Next month, I will be back. We have two more survivor interviews. I'm excited for those. And I'll probably have a solo episode as well. I take suggestions. So if you have a topic you want me to talk about, I will do that. And I'm going to be asking for requests about my summer series. So I'm going to do a summer series in July. And then I'm going to do like the greatest hits from season one will be in August. So we will have some encore episodes that will be the top episodes from this season that will wrap up the summer. So if you have ideas on topics you'd want me to talk about in the summer series, especially I really would love you to send me a message. So you can see my contact information here on tbitherapist.com. You can fill, fill out the contact form and I respond to you. So if there's a particular topic, I've thought of talking about like summer sleep, slow down or something because a lot of my survivors do talk about problems with sleep. And so I've been wanting to do a deep dive on sleep issues. But if there's another topic, certainly let me know. And I could also put a topic out in my Instagram stories to see if people would love to hear more from me. So if you want to jump on that, I'm at TBI Therapist on Instagram as well, which is where, which is where I mostly hang out. Okay. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us today on the TBI Therapist Podcast. Please visit tbitherapist.com for more information on brain injury, concussion, and mental health. The information shared on today's podcast is intended to provide information, awareness, and discussion on the topic. It is not clinical or medical advice. If you need mental health or medical advice, please seek a professional. 